This episode is brought to you by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management company that has developed a simple and straightforward management fee based on profit, not revenue. If you're a hotel owner that believes in a new way of doing business and want to learn more about the benefits of a profit-based management agreement, visit knowinghospitality.com. Now let's get to the podcast. I was riding the elevator down and I was in there with him and I said, how is your stay going? And he said, you have big balls asking me that question. And he's like, I respect that because I know that you know that I'm going to be complaining about something, but you still ask me that question anyway. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Kyle Allison. You may know him as the creator and host of the Hospitality MD podcast. I was actually on his show not that long ago. What you may not know is about four months ago, as of the time of this episode's release, he was actually offered his first GM role at the worst hotel in the MC Suites brand. Forget about just taking on your first GM posting. Taking on this type of hotel during the pandemic is something that would stretch even the most seasons of GMs. Kyle shares valuable insights into his motivation for taking the job, his experience from day one through week nine, and he even reflects on some lessons that I believe can help just about anyone taking on a new role, of which I know there's many people doing right now. I truly appreciate Kyle's openness and honesty about his experience, and I hope you find something in our conversation that resonates with you as well. So let's get to it. This is episode 65 of the Proven Principles podcast, Kyle Allison on what it's like running the worst hotel in the company. Enjoy. Kyle, welcome to the Proven Principles podcast. It's great to have you on. Yes, absolutely. Is this, I, I honestly can't remember. Have I been on your show before? I don't nope. remember if we ever did No, no, no. You're, <laughs> you're so busy with <laughs> podcasts and like in ruling the hospitality content world. No, you, uh, you've never been on this show, but, but I mean, I was on yours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was uh, a phenomenal experience. Well, I'm glad to, uh, to be on your show now, I guess my, I was technically on your platform when we put, um, you know, the hospitality MD episode, uh, on, on to, and released it uh, to your audience, but I'm glad to be officially on your show, like an organized episode. So thank you so much for having me, man. You got it. Yeah. It's great to have you. So for those that don't know you, um, can you give a quick rundown of your background, your career and, and up, up to hospitality MD? Sure. Um, so I, well, hospitality is so important to me. Um, my mom is a flight attendant. She has been for 37 years. That's like where it's been like in my blood kind of, um, so much so that, you know, I must've been six or seven years old. I turned my parents' house into a hotel. Literally they got stayover service in their room. Like they're bedroom was cleaned, made their bed. Like I did this, me and my brother, um, in room dining had a menu that we made for them, like literally placed it on their nightstand with Dr. Pepper, Cheerios, whatever we could, you know, whatever was in the house that we could get our hands on. And, um, so that was my fun as a kid was playing hotel. Um, and then I continued to play hotel, uh, in, in a actual hotel and get paid uh, for it and get paid for it. Yep. So luckily I was able to make that transition. Um, and that happened when I was 17, I was in high school. 
I got a job as a front desk agent at a 310 room Hilton golf resort around the corner from my house. Um, within like six or seven months, I was a front office supervisor, manager on duty. So I would just go to school, uh, go to high school and then get off school and then change into my suit, drive to the hotel and work my PM MOD shift. Um, you know, depending on how busy we, we were, sometimes it'd be like 12, one in the morning and I'm getting off work, not doing any of my homework, not caring about anything. And then going, uh, maybe going to first period the next day, if not going in whenever I could wake up and go into school. And that was like, it's bad. Yeah. Like I know that was like my, my, that was like my senior year of high school. So I already like stopped caring, uh, just naturally. But then you introduce that, uh, that hotel job that I really, really enjoyed. And that was my, my pure focus was being as committed and involved in that as possible. And of course on the weekends, um, it was PM Saturday MOD shift and then 7 AM Sunday AM MOD shift there for all the fun always. Um, and that was like where it really, really got serious and got started for me. I knew that like, this was where I was made to be was in hotels. Um, I just, I love them. Uh, so, um, I did that. And then of course it was time for me to go to college, uh, which I didn't want to go to, uh, but I had already committed to it and my, my folks wanted me to go. Um, so I went to university of Iowa for like eight months. Um, and I worked at a corporate managed Marriott property there. Um, there's 286 rooms, 50,000 square feet of meeting space. It was actually like for Iowa, it was actually a really, really nice market leading convention center hotel. Really, really was good for the market. They actually just rebranded it to a Hyatt Regency. But I worked there. I was a, I was a uh, front desk lead. Um, and it got to the point where I just told my department head, like, just put me on the schedule whenever you want. Like, I'm not going to class anyway. So just put me on the schedule. It doesn't really matter. Um <laughs> And yeah, I did that until my, uh, my college career came to a, came to an end. And then I said, okay, I want to go to this like Chicago proper and downtown Chicago and play with the big dog. So I came back, took the first job I could get as a housekeeping supervisor at the uh, embassy suite, Chicago downtown. Um, and I think I was 19 at the time and I was just, I was it was the director of housekeeping and then myself and one other supervisor for 368 suites, 65 room attendants, public Sounds area. Like you're talking about house. today. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Um, two, it was, it was a lot for, for three of us. Um, but it was, it was great learning, great fun. Um, learned a little Spanish while I was there. Um, ate some great food, uh, at lunch and, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. And then I, I went and worked with my, the gentleman who hired me, who I now work on hospitality MD with Greg, he hired me at my first hotel. And then he was downtown now at the wit, which is a, my first four diamond property. And, um, I took a step back actually having been in supervisor roles. I became a front desk agent. Um, cause that's what they had available. Um, and it was worth it because within like 90 days, I was front office supervisor. And then six months later, I was assistant front office manager. Wow. Um, 
And then I uh, I went to the Drake Hotel in Chicago as front office manager. I did some task force. I was a director of rooms at the Hilton Oakland Airport. I was a front office manager at the 1,200-room Hilton San Diego Bayfront. Um, I was the first front office department head for the first triple-branded hotel uh, connected to the largest convention center in the Western Hemisphere, which is uh, Hilton's at McCormick Place. 466 rooms, uh, three hotels, three property management systems. That was fun. Um, and then I actually returned to the WIT right before the pandemic um, and worked there up until the hotel was uh, actually looted during after George Floyd passed away. Uh, and since all of our windows were broken, we closed the hotel. I was let go. And um yeah, and then that's kind of uh, that's that's where we land ourselves, for the most part, right about now. Yeah, that was about a year ago. So, for those that don't know, what is Hospitality MD? Yes, yeah, so Hospitality MD actually started um, back in 2018. So I started that with Greg, the gentleman who hired me for my first hotel job, and then brought me back to the Wit Hotel uh, when I took that front desk agent position and took a step back. We started it like right around the time that I started at the Wit um, for the first time, and um, just like Greg was listening to a lot of Gary V at the time. This was like when we first started listening to it, and you know it was like. Yep. Why are you, why are you going to let anybody judge you? Just make, just make content. So he started a podcast with his son called backpack news, which was like a news program for kids that allowed them to digest the news in like a more kid friendly way. Really good idea. But his son was like eight or nine years old and he wasn't helping at all. He was just kind of, it's yeah. hard to do a podcast with your, with your eight or nine year old son. Yeah. Um, so he said, okay, you know what, let me do something that I am actually a little bit more passionate about. And, uh, you know, he, he asked me if I wanted to do it with him and I was like, yeah, totally. I'd love to do a podcast. That'd be awesome. Uh, so we started hospitality MD and we, uh, just did some video interviews and, um, just started meeting people and then realized that, wow, like we're meeting so many people, making so many connections, learning so much. Um, and then after, uh, the wit closed down, we just were like, let's just like go just like balls to the wall and hospitality MD and just go full force. Um, so hospitality MD and it's in its current iteration right now is, is, Primarily hospitality media. Um, we have a feature length documentary film, which we've completed, which is going to be, we actually have a film festival that it, uh, we're going to be in that's next month uh, and a couple more we're waiting to hear back from, which will be great. Um, so fingers crossed that we become award winning filmmakers. That'd oh, wow. be awesome. That would um, be. So, so yeah, it's, it's mostly media. We also do hospitality uh, consulting services and um, task force. And we really, really, the goal is to own and operate uh, a hotel would be great. Multiple would be better. Um, and that's a, that's kind of a lifelong goal um, mm -hmm. for the brand. Nice. Nice. Um, so what I wanted to have you on the show to talk about today 
is your experience over the last, what would you say, like three months? Yeah. Two and a half about, months? Just, just about. about. Yeah. Uh, you took, so, I mean, incredible career up until the start of the pandemic, like many, like myself, affected by it uh, professionally. And, you know, you've had to kind of go out and, and find other avenues. Um, and I imagine figuring out if you wanted to stay in the industry, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I certainly thought about that. Yeah. Um, but interesting that this, all of this kind of culminated in getting your first GM position. It did. It really did. Uh, cause it would not have happened otherwise. Know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would not have happened otherwise. So th- this is a really interesting story and I don't want to leave the witness too much here. Um, how did this getting your first GM position is if anybody who has ever tried to do it and who has done it knows that this is, it's no easy feat. It's very hard to get there. Um, how did this come to be for you? And especially during what we've been dealing with for the last year and a half. So it was, it was, I think it was really honestly, a, a the atmosphere was right for this, for this to happen for, for a couple of reasons. And it made it easier than I think most people have it happen to them. Like it really, um, the, the reason it happened to me was because I've been out there and I've been vocal in the industry. So like, if you are, if I was just kind of doing what everybody else does, which I had been doing, which was basically just working my hotel job and one of hundreds of thousands or millions globally of front office managers or, you know, whatever, or housekeeping supervisors, then I would have never got there, at least not right now, um, because I would have done it the traditional way, just keep climbing, moving, job hopping, moving to a location that I don't want to live in, what, you know, whatever, whatever people <laughs> have to do, right. To go and to, so the to Gary V model kind of works. It, it, so yeah, he's not, he's not stupid. It kind of works. Um, so I, I, yeah. So basically starting to create content, starting to be vocal, being very kind of opinionated about, you know, my beliefs in the industry and just talking about my, my experience, nothing, nothing that I, I didn't know to be true or believe to be true. Just, just really doing the best I could to, to be vocal for the industry. And, uh, part of that, like I mentioned this documentary. So I went to, I, the weight was the number two double tree in the brand. Um, and every year would be like, who the hell keeps beating us? This is double tree reading Pennsylvania. What, what the hell? Who are these guys? We're downtown Chicago, 27 story glass tower. We've got all these awesome food and beverage concepts. We're just, we, how are we not number one? Um, so I learned a little bit and started investigating and learned about the the man behind that hotel, Craig Poole, um, who is using his hotel as a vehicle to revitalize the city of Reading, which built this $67 million, 209 room double tree in city center Reading, which was in 2011, the poorest city in the nation. And the hotel was built in 2015 and it really used it. So I, I, tune into the documentary to see the whole story. But 
uh, essentially I realized, wow, there is a reason why they're, they're number one. So when I got laid off uh, and let go from my job after, uh, the, the pandemic and the looting and everything, I actually, uh, messaged Craig on LinkedIn. I said, Hey, I just got let go from my job. Can I come and learn from you in your hotel and see what you're doing to be number one? And he said, yes. Um, so I literally several weeks spent there, housed me for free, fed me for free. Let me learn from his team. Like literally I was one of them for, for several weeks. And throughout that process, you know, I, I, went there and brought a camera. I just thought maybe we'd get some cool footage for a YouTube video or something. Ended up really just sitting down and interviewing like plenty of the staff members. And by the time we left, we said, wow, I think we have a documentary. But I learned all this stuff there. And Craig Poole's mentorship has really become a, a very, a very central component to my story, to my development, just like I, I can't think of him enough and he continues to be a mentor for me. But one of Craig's like before he did the double tree, his rise to notoriety has been flipping distressed hotels um, and using that brand of radical hospitality and changing people's lives as the uh, foundation for how he manages to flip those hotels. Uh, he does it humanely uh and he doesn't just flip them from horrible to mediocre and barely hovering in the black he flips it from like the bottom to like top 10 percent of the brand like always because it's with no capital typically like he he does this through hospitality through and through um so being kind of associated with craig um i got the i i a, a hotel owner uh, kind of started picking up on this and seeing seeing that. Um, and he and I had talked casually as as friends, peers, colleagues in the industry for maybe about six or seven months um, leading up to me becoming a GM for one of his hotels. And uh, we just we talked about the industry. We talked about my experience with with Craig. We talked just we talked about should housekeepers get paid by the room or by the hour? Just mm. all these things that we we were, were pondering, right? And it was very productive. And and I, I liked his his style a little bit. And and he said, you know what? We we have this Embassy Suites hotel. Um, it's underperforming. It's a it's a distressed hotel. You know, I have this philosophy that I want to try out, which is, you know, we've had very experienced GMs in our, in our hotels, including this one, you know, uh, and it, they're just not, they're not cutting it all the time. And like, you know, we have experienced GMs who the hotel is still struggling. So do we need experienced GMs or do we bring somebody in that has never been a GM before? maybe isn't the perfect candidate on paper um, considering that I have like six years of industry experience under my belt. You know, it's not what you typically probably consider for a GM role. Um, and he said, maybe we can try this. And if we can, you know, equip you with, with support and, you know, you have Craig as a mentor and other people that you've met on your podcast that could be 
mentors to you and and I think that you could you had the instincts and you you could be successful here and I think you'd be the right person to to turn around this hotel. So, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. I man, that is an interesting philosophy from the owner's perspective <clears throat> to leverage your network <clears throat> to theoretically leverage your network uh, and your connections, thinking that you've got access to all of these industry experts, uh, it bring that whole network into my hotel and try to turn it around. Yeah, that's kind of, that's what it was, wasn't it? That's exactly what the philosophy was. And I guess I don't know. Well, I, I, I want to know your opinion on that. If you think that was animus in nature or manipulative in nature or smart and, or both maybe. Mm. Um, but I thought his philosophy was very, 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 very interesting as do you. Um, cause I, I, I said, okay, well I do have unique experience because like most experienced GMs don't spend their time pondering the industry's biggest questions and learning from, from, and collaborating with people. They don't. No, a lot don't. I mean, my, my assertion has always been, and it still is that if you, if your success has been predicated on doing things a certain way and you've never been incentivized to change your thinking or behavior, because your success hasn't been dependent on it, then you, then there's no reason for you to do that. There's no reason for you to think about things differently. Therefore, over a certain number of years, not only have you not exercised that muscle in your brain, I don't think that you can even see the opportunities in front of you because it forces you to use a different lens that you just don't have. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. Um, and it's not in it, it's not in a lot of people's it's not uh, a first instinct for a lot of people either. Like I, I without really you know patting myself on the back too hard, but I also recognize it's, it's a strength of mine. Like most people don't reach out to the the president of the company of the number one uh, double tree who's changing the game and say hey. Can I just like literally just like uh, uh, completely vulnerably asking, can I just come and work with you for free and, and just. 100%. So that's something that I, I am have absolutely no problem doing. And I love doing that stuff. And because I'm, I'm a, I like to learn and I don't have all the answers. Again, I only have six years experience in this industry. That's only so much time to learn stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I will say this. I've learned more, uh, talking to people like you and everybody else that I've spoken with, um, then I've learned it, like it's accelerated my learning. Uh, it's been years of knowledge that have been imparted on me, mm -hmm. uh, in an accelerated time frame. Now, of course, that doesn't necessarily, uh, invalidate practical experience. Like if I had been a director of food and beverage for four years, yeah, that would be. Yeah. Help for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, taking the theory and the practical and putting it together, that's always going to give you the best results. Um, I agree with you, but yeah, you know, it, it is definitely an interesting idea to leverage somebody's, to consciously leverage somebody's network. I think that when you're hiring a GM, I mean, a lot of, a lot of hotels are hiring for experience, but like 
you know, you do get, especially somebody who's been in the industry a long time or has moved around a lot, you are, you are getting their connections just by proxy. Um, but to consciously do that in your situation is a very interesting move. So how did that, how did that all play out? How, big question, I know, but maybe, maybe let's talk about, you know, this owner said, I want you to come in. If you're comfortable, maybe give a little bit of detail about the hotel that you went to, um, and how that hiring and onboarding process went. Yeah. So, uh, I, the owner, he like, he wanted me to be the GM of this hotel and this had been, uh, I, I will give, you know, credit where credit is due. I mean, a lot of time had been invested into speaking with me um, and learning about me to a certain extent because we had had, I mean, I would probably say we had eight to 12 hours worth of conversation prior to me becoming the GM of this hotel. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we did, you know, a traditional interview. Like it was a relationship that was built and, and, and cultivated. And I think strategy very, uh, calculated on his part mm -hmm. um to a certain extent as was 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 mine as well um but he said he, we have this hotel it's underperforming i want you to be the gm i just hired a uh basically a president of this management company go ahead okay. i was gonna say an underperforming might be an understatement. Yes. And I will, and I will elaborate a little bit on that. Okay. So I, I knew he, he said this hotel is not, is not doing very well. Um, okay. So I was excited because I, I thought, okay, here's a really great opportunity to build a reputation. Um, and, you know, kind of here I am, at like a weird point because like I have like a, a decent amount of hotel experience, um, you know, not very many years, but I worked at a lot of hotels. I've bounced around a lot. I have a unique experience, worked with a lot of different teams. Um, so I, I think I know an okay amount about hotels. I have all the, these connections that I've built. Um, I've kind of studied with the president of the number one hotel on the brand. Um, I've been successful with hospitality MD. I just been named a top 50, uh, hotel leader in the country by international hospitality Institute, which I was like, you know, it was, it was good. Um, so I'm like, okay, so I have this, but it's, but I, I was feeling a sense of like imposter syndrome almost like, because I'm not actually working in, in a hotel currently. So how long do I have before it's not authentic anymore? Mm. One year, two year, like, Valid. you know what I'm saying? Like, when does it become that I'm just a big phony, right? Um, so I, I I was excited by the fact that this was an underperforming hotel. And the fact that I could, in theory, as the GM, turn this place around um, and have a reputation of, a, like I guess aggressive turnaround of a of a distressed hotel to back up my my accolades and other stuff and just the success I've been having from hospitality MD. So I'm I'm feeling excited when I hear it's an underperforming hotel. And of course, knowing Craig's background as well, I said, well, if I want to, if I aspire to be like him and he's done this, this would be great for me too. Uh, a great experience. So 
he says, I hired like a, basically, a, I think his title is managing director of hospitality, but basically a president or VP of the management company element of this owner operator group. Um, and he he's the, the boss of all the GM. So he said, you've got to interview with him. So we interviewed and he showed me a PowerPoint of the hotel. And this is where I found out that this was actually the worst embassy suites on the planet. Um, so it was underperforming, right? But it was also- So you didn't know until that point? Did not know. I did not know. Wow. Uh, I, I really didn't know. So I, I interview and, but it excited me almost even more because I said, wow, this could really be a story of going from the dead last in the brand to- it would be great if not, it went to number one, last. but uh, it, to, <laughs> to, you know, top 10 or really like, you know, top 20, just com really competing and being a, a really great embassy suites product. Um, so it, it excited me, but I, I saw the PowerPoint and was like, wow, this is, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. Um, you know, certainly I, there was a lot of stuff that I couldn't see from the PowerPoint or weren't really discussed. Um, that, you know, were surprises when I got there. But again, you, you see it's the worst. Okay. This is definitely going to be a challenge, but it was, it was invigorating. I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I would like to do this. Um, and really throughout the process, I was literally like, was like, man, you've got to be out of your mind. Like you have this really, I mean, this, the worst hotel in the brand and you want to hire somebody with no experience to run this place. And he's like, don't worry. He's like, he's like, you're, we're going to support you. Everything's going to be fine. Like we, we, I think this is going to work. And like, you know, this philosophy, right. Okay. I can do that. Um, so I packed up whatever I could fit into my vehicle. I purchased a car actually from Chicago, didn't have a car, hmm. train, bus, Uber. <laughs> it's my primary method of transportation. Um, so I purchased a vehicle, gave away, sold, donated my guitars, my bed, my everything, basically everything except for some clothes and wow. books and stuff and you know things that I could put into a vehicle and drive. So that's what I did. I, I put everything into my car, uh, sight unseen, drove from Chicago to uh, North Carolina. The hotel was there, um, pulled in, parked in the uh, parking garage. The task force GM was there with a the bell cart. Uh, we said hello to each other. <laughs> with their for, stuff or for to help you with yours? To help me with mine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, yeah, no, like, he was he's like, I'm gone, man. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, he was, he was great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he was, uh, he was there at the hotel, but we, he helped me got to get my stuff out. We went up, um, to, to my room and I was actually part of it was to be living on property as well. So it was living and working in this hotel, which is something that I advocated for. I wanted to do that because I wanted to be close to the point of impact. I wanted to be, I knew that it was going to take a lot. And, uh, I also knew that we didn't have time to go through the process of searching for an apartment and then doing all this. I was like, we need to get this hotel back up and running now. Um, mm -hmm. so I was happy to do it. So pulled up, got my car there. Go ahead, Adam. No, 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 no. Oh, you go. Okay. Um, got my car there and, and, and started, uh, and, and basically just, 
started that was Sunday night. Um, me and the task force GM, we, I unloaded my stuff. We went out and, and had a couple beers and just talked about the hotel. Um, and I was, there was so much, I literally, my jaw, jaw was on the floor for most of our conversation because he was telling me a lot of stuff that I just had no idea about. Um, one of which was that we didn't have, uh, any laundry facility for the hotel. Um, and I said, okay, so we, uh, the linen is outsourced, right? I'm used to that in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Buildings are built vertically. There's no room for laundry facilities. Um, so it's okay. This is normal. Uh, well, you know, yes, it's normal if you have the par levels to accommodate a, a, a uh, outsourced women. Yeah. Um, and it's normal if you are in a market that has a, you know, linen service or multiple providers of linen that are equipped to, to be doing this for you. Um, so the, the discovery was basically that they're the laundry operations are crippling the hotel. That was one, one big discovery among, among a lot of other things. And so I was surprised, but, um, I, 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 I started working. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. I just started on, on Monday. They actually, I will, I will, I will say this cause I think this is relatively, you know, relevant to the conversation. There was a, uh, kind of like a training sheet, an Excel sheet that was a two week designed program of like, uh, you're going to be with the task force GM, uh, for those first two weeks. And you're not going to make any decisions for the hotel. You're basically just going to abide by this, by this sheet, uh, that is going to go through, you're going to learn all about the company's policies, what we need at the corporate office, what, whatever, whatever we need you to do, you're going to learn about that. You're going to learn about the hotel. You're going to learn about kind of best practices for just what does a GM do when they wake up first thing in the morning, things like that, which I said, okay, this is, this is great for a first time GM. I could really appreciate this. Um, what was really not taken into consideration was when you go to a hotel and you're the only salaried manager in the building uh, for a full service embassy suites property that's under renovation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Under renovation as well. I think I forgot to mention that. Um, you don't really get to do that. Um, yeah. You don't get to do that. And it became very apparent that that was not going to happen. Um, and then it became abundantly apparent it was not going to happen because uh, a GM of another hotel in the company quit. And the task force GM literally like the next day was gone to go and secure that hotel. Hmm. Um so what was designed to be a two week kind of regimented program turned out to be nothing. And then the task force GM was gone, which I was okay with that to a certain extent. Um, you know, and I figured, okay, well, and kind of the expectation was he'll come back or we'll do something or we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. Fair enough. We got to roll with the punches. I'm okay with that. So of course started right in, um, Flash forward to, do you have any questions, by the way? Any, I, I feel like I'm just... Keep rolling. Okay. 
Uh, I do, but keep rolling. Okay. All right. So this is week one, flash forward to week two, um, where actually I think it, it, week two had ended and it had just been continuing again. We have no managers in the building. We have uh, linen deficiencies, cleanliness concerns, product under renovation, team that's not trained. I mean, no key control. Like think about everything that could be right or wrong with the hotel. Like there was not one thing that was like, okay, we're good on like this one. We don't have to touch this. Like it was everything that you could possibly imagine was wrong, was, was wrong. Um, so I had, you know, been, been working on number one, keeping the hotel afloat so we can check guests in as the only manager really in the day to day heavy. Um, and uh, I'd also been working on trying to find managers and hiring people because keep in mind, we're also line level staff are scarce as well because of the hiring crisis. So it's just crazy. Uh, everything. So, yeah. yeah, everything. Um, so flash forward to the beginning of week three and um, owners and corporate office are back at the hotel. Um, and the conversations that are had this week are that the progress is not fast enough. Um, it, it was, what? it was not, yeah, yeah. This is the beginning of week. So it had been, I mean, essentially 10 define, business days. Define, <laughs> define progress as you understand that they defined it. What kind of progress? So what, what I understood from my, trying to seek clarity uh in this in this situation was what they wanted and needed to see which i don't necessarily disagree with is a reset of the box basically reset the box is how how they described it um that's very vague it it is but i i i sort of can understand the the sentiment behind it right because you have a a, a struggling hotel you want to re reset the box right and i guess make it so that there is a distinct injection of like radical change immediately right off the bat uh and kind of i guess set that expectation as defined by a group of people that to the point of starting the third week hadn't been there yet. So they were there my first week for the first four days oh, they or were. so. Okay. So they were, okay. but it was very, um, they were there kind of looking at the renovation and just it, yeah. very hands off. See, this uh, is, this, this is a thing I think a lot of people run into is that when you are managed remotely, the definition of success in the job uh, between the person who's doing the job thinking that they're doing the right thing and the person who is managing that person from afar who has never really defined what success looks like or never, at least when somebody is new coming in, doesn't say these are the top three, five, 10 priorities. These are the things to tackle first. Get after it. Yeah, because like I guess had I known going into it, if 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 I would have been told, hey, after ten business days, we're going to show up to the hotel and basically say that this is not going fast enough and we need more, 
uh, I would have probably said, no, I'm good then because you have, I, I, I can anticipate that there's going to be a conflict of expectations and a conflict of reality and delusion. And you smell it right away. Right. And it just would not be authentic and it wouldn't be the long-term success needed to stabilize a hotel from the depths of the abyss of failure and bring it up to where it needs to be. Like, um, you know, cause the, the, how does the phrase go? Like fast money doesn't last long. Um, and that's kind of like a, you know, I guess I think that was attributed to like dealing drugs, basically, like you can make fast money, but you're going to end up in jail and you're going to be broke or you're going to be dead or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the same thing can apply to, to, to hotel management as well. Fast, um, the illusion of fast success is, is instability and, and chances are it's not going to last very long. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, man, I, I could, got a, a lot that I could say on all that. And I think you're a hundred percent right. Um, but I don't want to derail where, you know, getting to starting the third week with, with some corporate folks there, but s- uh, since reflecting on that conversation is, have you thought about anything that you would do differently if you were ever in the same position next time? Or did that conversation highlight some of the things that you know to be just wrong in the industry that need to change? And, and you're more steadfast in your resolve on how you would maybe do it the same way again. As I look back as, as a, uh, looking back at the entire experience, there are definitely things that I would say that, wow, I would have, I think it would have been better if I did this or did that or didn't do this or didn't do that at that time and waited or did it sooner. All of those things, like I've learned a lot, right? And a lot of things, you know, going into a distressed hotel as a GM for the first time, like I've, I've, I'm learning and I'm, of course, thinking, what could I do better next time? Um, but the challenge that I have is when I look back at this experience, particularly the challenge that I have is how could I have done it better? Uh, is, is really, cause I, I, I not thinking to myself, I'm the best perfect GM in the whole world. And I did everything right. It's not that I know that I could have been better and changed things and how I approach things or, or prioritize different things. I know that. Um, but when I look back, I, I think the, the challenge that I have is how I could have done that. Um, and the biggest reason realistically I say that done it, realistically. realistically done it. Yeah. And, and, and how, because my, you know, a bandwidth of one person is only so much, um, so it, it wasn't for lack of trying because I think, did I work hard? Yes. Did I push myself to the limit? Yeah. Uh, did I try? Absolutely. Um, was I invested 100%? Um, could I have done things different? Absolutely. But then I have to remember because as humans, we adapt so quickly and we the, the severity of the situation begins to... to dwindle quickly because we adapt to it. So then I think back to the feeling that I felt on that first day walking in and realizing, wow, there's no managers here. Um, that we like, not one thing is, is correct. Um, 
you know, the hotel is under renovation. You, um, are, we're busy. We're sold out. Um, we need to check people in. We need to clean the rooms. We need to do the basic transaction of accepting money and selling them a room. Um, so I, I think about all this and that's where I say, well, shit, like, yeah, if I could go back and, and, and change something, yes, but would I have changed spending the time to ensure that the guests could check into the hotel? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can I even say that? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. what would I be, how successful would I be if I ignored that to focus on other things? But then it could also be said, well, by focusing on checking the guests into the hotel, other things were not, you know, accomplished and that deteriorated my success. So it's, it's, it's such a catch 22 for me that I I don't, I haven't fully processed it yet, but I keep coming back to that because I try to think how, how, how I know the what, but I don't know the how, and I'm struggling with the practicality of it. So in that conversation at the three week mark, not moving fast enough. Um, were you given any clarity on what they wanted you to focus on at that stage or was it still ambiguous? So um, what we did um, was basically put together a, um, a just kind of a list of urgent things um, that need to get done. Um, so that was helpful. Um, there was, we, we decided, you know, some of the things that they thought were urgent, I didn't think were urgent, um, because it was every, everything was wrong. Right. So you could have had so many different, I guess, uh, interpretations of what needed to be done, but we came to a pretty good consensus on what needed to be done. Um, and that was it. And then they, uh, uh, so they, there was one for me and then there was one for the owners in corporate office that they, they were going to, uh, kind of focus on as well. And, um, which makes sense dividing duties and, you know, there's more resources at corporate office than on property. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. they, they can, they can do some of the lifting and some of the, because keep in mind too, the hotel's under renovation, but there's also some like just big ticket capital, items that need to be repaired, fixed, that aren't even a part of the renovation. Um, like, you know, multiple, uh, air conditioning units in the public space and in the meeting rooms that just simply weren't functioning. And those are, you know, $30,000 each to replace and get bids on, or, you know, skylight was in the atrium was leaking. Um, so those are things that like, those are ownership items. Those are ownership things that they should be focusing on. Great. Um, so they had their list. I had, uh, I had my stuff that I was going to be looking at and, um, and they left and, uh, and, you know, things still crazy, still sold out every day, still, um, just struggling. You know, I had got, couple manager I got one manager actually I think around that time front office manager which was good um and I promoted somebody else to assistant front office manager which was good um with the intention of because one of the big things too is 
Everybody has something to say to you when you first start out at a struggling hotel. Everybody. Um, owners, we as we see, they have something they have to tell you. Everything is, your, is on you, right? So they got to talk to you about that. The team has, oh my gosh, like the just everybody is like, okay, we're like, you know, moths to a flame. We're coming to talk to you about something or, or ask you for something or see if you can get us this, or we need this, or we're not happy, or this is what happened. The previous GM did this, and this is what I was abused here and all this kind of stuff. I get it. Like you're, you're trying to seek, uh, your savior, I guess, if you will. And you're also trying to see, can I trust this person? And any conversation is an indication of the love of how much they can confide or not confide in you or, uh, you know, that anxiety that you have as a team member, when you, when you see a new GM come into the hotel, you know, is struggling. Um, am I going to lose my job? You know, what? So that any attempt to make contact to confront the unknown of who this new GM is would, is an attempt to relieve some of their anxiety or give them permission to feel more anxiety. Um, so I get that. And then the guests, of course, I mean, every, every weekend I would stand in the breakfast area and just a queue of guests would just form and just start talking about what was wrong. But I wanted, I was confronting that because I needed to hear it. I needed to know, not that they were telling me anything that I couldn't already see with my own eyes. Um, but one of the things that I, I think helped me be successful was like, I'll, I'll have one example of a guest who, uh, I was riding the elevator down and he, I was in there with him and I said, how is your stay going? And he said, you have big balls asking me that question. And he's like, I respect that because I know that you know that I'm going to be complaining about something, but you still ask me that question anyway. Um, which was kind of cool that he said that because I'm like, okay, I can, you're going to be reasonable. I can level with you. Um, so I was very open about my situation. I said, Hey, I, this is, you know, a definitely a struggling hotel. I actually have come from Chicago to get this hotel back on track to help the people here to make sure that these experiences for our guests are good to, to kind of help us get through this hump of the renovation and, and, and be better for the future. And that's exactly why I'm here. So of course I ask you that question because I need to know. And he told me everything. And I said, thank you for your contributions. Like your stay won't be in vain now. Um, and it almost made him feel like, and I did this with a lot of guests, like it almost made it feel like their experience as a guest was like they were a martyr. Like they had to have that negative experience so that future guests could have a positive one. But I brought them in on the mission and made them feel like they were a part of the process. Like your contributions are critical so we can fix this hotel. And the guests were very, very pleased with that. And, 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 uh, it, it made them, it made them feel good. And the team, I would do the same thing for them. So I, I think like, I wouldn't change how I approach that process at all. Um, I think that was big and that's where I needed to spend my time too, was, was working with, with, with the team and the guests to, to learn and be better and get them better too, and set a good example. Um, but I spent so much time doing this. I hired a front office manager and was like, I can't spend all day, like as much as it, it's good, I can't spend all day taking complaints from the guests, which literally would be hours upon hours every day, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, so I need somebody to like just own this and do this and, and be, be the person to, to handle this. 
a.m. and p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you absolutely because you you can't be everywhere. Cannot be everywhere because in this situation, and I think that this gets lost on uh, on a lot of people. You weren't sitting in your office, feet up, spreadsheets, trying to you know find another penny. You are boots on the ground, hands in the trash bin, you know, making beds, flipping rooms, checking people in and out. And I think that that's the piece oftentimes that gets missed. It's the connection between the amount of, uh, the amount of time and energy that a hands-on, like quite literally a very hands-on in the operation GM working in a hotel like you were working in, um, versus the amount of time available to you to plan and execute the larger the larger things that need to get done managing the renovation getting three quotes on the capital project that needs to happen you know managing <laughs> right. all that right so going through going through resumes and tapping in and going out and saying who I'm in this new market I don't know anybody where can I find talented people to help me like I love where you're going with this, Adam, because this was one of the biggest like things. There's no time for being a GM and and what I guess I can take away from this. And you can, I guess, validate or invalidate based on your experience. But when you're going into a struggling hotel or really any hotel and you want to make an impact, it's a very creative process. Mm-hmm. It's very artistic. Um, and I felt that I was like could it was almost impossible to be creative and i didn't notice it as it was happening but i i eventually looking back think wow like because i was just like struggling to keep the people from walking out and quitting and the guests checked in and and uh you know and then of course the supply chain shortages and all that kind of like just struggling to keep the hotel even from completely capsizing <laughs> yeah from going backwards yeah. <clears throat> it was very like a, a i didn't have the the luxury of creativity reflection planning strategizing no, 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 no. you're getting blasted or even with, really with... Di- diving in and like looking and being like like i it, it had been probably six and a half seven weeks before i actually said i'm gonna go look at the budget for the hotel like mm. literally because i just didn't have the the time and it, it, and it was so all over the place, man, that I was like, let me actually go and see what they, what, what we're being expected to make in revenue and and how much we should be spending on stuff. I mean, it was just, and probably a meaningless budget because it was done in 2020 for 21 in the middle. Yeah. And like we were beating budget on like revenue and stuff. Um, but I just wanted to like this, you would think this would be something like a week one situation would be like part of of that structured orient self-directed orientation process, the right that was in place. And that that disconnect between being hands-on in the operation and being a true GM where you can get above the fray, you can get that 10,000 foot view of the place and be strategic and start playing chess. You can't do that. And I imagine, based on what you're telling me, is that your experience in that three-week meeting, and I'm guessing subsequent meetings after that where things aren't moving fast enough is that there is a fundamental disconnect and misunderstanding about the amount of time and the number of things that have to happen to right-size the operation versus 
the amount of time uh, to tackle the more uh, strategic, maybe larger pressing items from the ownership's perspective and, and what their understanding of what your job is on property. That's the fundamental pain that existed. And uh, that was the, the, that's the fundamental, I think, reason why they would have never been satisfied because they didn't understand the number one reason why I would have been frustrated. Uh, and almost feeling like, you know, stupid because I'm like, I'm, I'm like, am I like, is this something that I'm doing wrong? And I'm really trying to figure this out because I want to be good. I want to be a good GM. I want to fix the hotel. So, okay, what am I doing wrong? But again, then I think back to how do we not check the guests in? Um, Do we not get the rooms clean? Do we not get the supplies we need? Do we not like, what do we yeah. Right. Well, that's my, that, that, that leads to the next question. And I know, you know, you're sort of running through a timeline here, uh, but in reflecting on everything, did you take anything away from how do you prioritize something when everything is a priority? It's a great question. Uh, like you're asking, did I, like, what did I learn from that or what? Like, yeah. Yeah. What did you learn from it? And, and would you approach it differently the next time? Because, and yes. let me, let me, okay. I know you're, you're thinking about it, but like the subtext is just because it's a priority for you doesn't mean it's a priority for me. So when you're a GM and you have everybody coming in and telling you the most important thing in their world that needs to get done, you need to find a way to put that in an order of that quadrant that like, urgent, important, not important, not urgent, that thing, and be able to, to then figure out how each thing fits into one another. And if you solve this thing that's way over here, that might actually solve problems down here. And then I'm killing two birds with one stone and I don't have to worry about it anymore. But you need time to be able to think about the operation and time in to understand all of the inputs to be able to do that. Yes, I agree. And, um, you know, another thing that I think is relevant too, is when you bring people in like hiring support, like supervisors and managers, which I have, you know, which I did while I was there, um, they need time. Mm -hmm. They need time. Uh, which is something that I was very like acute to. I was like, I know that these people or this person, is going to need time. And I want to make sure that I'm sensitive to that. And I support that. Um, but the, again, another big fundamental disconnect would be, uh, then corporate office and ownership, like knowing that I've hired new people, you didn't get the right people because they're not helping you or they're not, you know, they're not. And I said, well, wait a second. There's, a few different options here. They could have either, depending on who it is, uh, in for managers, it's typically, this is not going to be their first time working in a hotel, but for anybody that you're bringing on board right now, you're, they're either first time hoteliers. They've either been out of work for 18 months, um, or they're in a new role that like they've never been in before. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
if somebody was great 18 months ago, chances are they're not as good as they were back then because they haven't been in the cut and they need, uh, they need spring training like an athlete. Um, so I try to explain this to them. Listen, like, yeah, we brought in this new manager, but you have to realize it's, it's a, uh, atomic shock to come into this hotel period. So we have to be sensitive to that. We need to let them process those feelings and emotions because psychologically, anxiety causes cognitive impairment. Like we literally know this. Um, so if they're feeling anxiety and they're feeling anxious, we can't, we can't press and contribute to that because they'll deteriorate. Um, and like, literally this is not disputable. This is, this is factual psychological science. So we, we have people who we are trying to be sensitive. So we, we don't cognitively impair them by our doing the hotel itself is probably going to do that to a certain extent already. So what can we do to alleviate or at least not add to it? Um, they've also need, uh, time to remember what it's like to be a front office manager, for example, because they haven't done it in, in a year and a half, or this is their first time they they made that transition from assistant manager to department head or from supervisor to assistant manager or whatever. And they need to learn how they fit in. Um, and they also have no structure or anything to work with. So they also have, they need to be creative so they can think about how do we solve these problems together. So all these things we need to be empathetic to. It's not, they've been here for four days. Why haven't they contributed to what you need to be successful? Now you have the wrong people with you. And one thing that I actually, you know, said at one point was, is nobody good enough? Like, this is actually genuinely a question that I said, like, is nobody good enough? Because we have, you know, uh, you know, I'm not moving fast enough. The previous GM apparently wasn't good enough. Uh, the people that were hiring to support us, they're not good enough. Um, like, at what point do we have a an issue with that? How many... GMs did they have in their tenure of being owner of the hotel where that property was the worst performing in the brand? I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Okay. Um, I, Do you know how long they owned it? I They've owned the hotel for three years, but have worst only performing. managed it for, they. so it was owned, but managed by another company. Okay. And the management company is actually, they... I think they're the the management company that manages the most embassy suites out of any management company. Um, previously, not previously, now. yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, so they. How long has it been the worst performing in the company or in the brand? I don't know. Okay. Um, I'll long, be honest, I don't know. It doesn't it, happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Maybe it had kind of been kind of like that ship floating down to the yep. bottom of the ocean. Maybe it wasn't just like that, but, and it's been settled down there for a, a fair amount of time, but it, 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 it we're not talking about it, it had really ever been like in the top performing embassy suites. Yeah. Um, and it spent most of its time on the bottom or roughly in there. And it just happened to make its way to the absolute worst. Yeah. Um, and I think the renovation probably like kind of accelerated it to being the worst, uh, because then you have, guest expectations like oh there's no pool there's no fitness center there's no anything uh so yeah so it, it had been um quite a while then and in terms of number of gms not completely sure um but my, like 
Yeah, yeah go ahead. My, well, my point is just is that like, you know, and your question is a valid one, um, if not emotional at the time, but you're getting pressed in a very unreasonable way. So that's it's a very um, understandable question to ask. And I think anybody would. Um, but at some point, you know, somebody who's been there a little bit longer than three weeks needs to look in the mirror. Yes. Uh, I, and I think that's, that's exactly what my, my point was. I'm like, so we've had the hotel owned for three years and now at three weeks we're kind of, I felt like a scapegoat a little bit for the problems that were happening. Um, and, and that was, it's not a good feeling. Um, to feel like that. And again, just kind of feeling like what is there a way to come back from this was really another, uh, was another thing. Cause I'm like, this is supposed to be the honeymoon phase too. Yeah. You know, and of course, I'm, I'm not saying like it should be all rainbows and unicorns. Like uh, we're there to fix the hotel. Um, and it should it's be also a courting phase though, to your point, like honeymoon phase, like, you know, you should be getting indoctrinated into the way the company does things. And they I hopefully want you to stick around for a long time and become a, a productive member in the company. And then you can go on and do other great things for them. But that all starts in buying into the mission. And that, if you can't get someone to buy into the mission in the first like 30 days that they're there, you're not, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, cause there was no mission to buy into. Mm -hmm. There was no mission to buy into. I had a mission as an individual, which was to help the people in the hotel and to make it better and to bring this hotel back from the depths of hell to being something that we can actually morally allow people to stay in, uh, without feeling guilty or feeling like we're, we're, we're being disingenuine or, or, quite frankly, robbing people <laughs> of their money to stay there. Right. So that was a, a mission that I had. Um, the, the, the problem, and I think this is just, it's just ba like, it, it's, we have some of the smartest people in, in, in the industry, smartest people, the vice president of companies, they can acquire hotels. they they know what to do when they're buying, they know how to underwrite really well. Um, you know, they know how to negotiate, um, purchasing debt from another hotel and how many cents on the dollar they're going to pay for whatever, um, you know, uh, uh, accounts receivables they still have, like all this stuff. They're so smart. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I don't know anything about that mm -hmm. stuff. They're so smart. But then it, when it comes to basic, uh, when it comes to just basic, I guess, leadership or basic, um, management of people or, or how to get somebody to want to help you. Um, it, it just like, it's, it's like, these are really the smartest people that we can, that our industry has to offer. These are the smartest people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was what was glaring to me. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm no expert. I'm like, I'm just a first time GM young guy, just trying to figure out what to do. But I'm like, I knew that this wasn't correct. Um, so again, we have the, you know, this conversation and, uh, there's, there's tension starts to form, um, primarily between myself and my direct, uh, my direct manager from the corporate office. And, uh, um, he came to the hotel the next week, 
Um, so this was like, and he didn't tell me he was coming. He just showed up. Um, and I didn't know why. And he didn't tell me why he was there. Uh, and we didn't talk much, but he, he stayed for, you know, four or five days left. And then next week I get a calendar invitation just to talk, you know, catch up. I think the title was property visit follow-up. And I said, okay, interesting. So we do the meeting and it turns out that, uh, this, the, the, my, my boss had actually come in and taken pictures of things that he was not happy with and presented this in a PowerPoint, uh, about how, how everything was going wrong. Um, and it, and it turned out to be a, uh, segue for a performance improvement plan after three and a half weeks, basically on the job. Um, and that was just like deflated me completely, man, because I was just like, so here I am. I left my life that I was very happy with, um, where I have friends, belongings, an apartment, um, being relatively successful. And, uh, I sacrificed all that to help somebody's business, to grow my reputation, to help other people. Right. But I, I, sacrifice that because I trusted that this was going to be something positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here I am being presented with a document that basically says, if you don't do this, we're getting a new GM in here. Um, and that was, and those are very difficult to come back from. Even if you did all those things, it's always hanging over your head. It is. Um, it makes you, well, it, it just feels like, you've got the gun, uh, you've got the gun to your head. Yeah. Um, it's threatening. It's, it's incredible uh, anxiety inducing. And, uh, as we know about anxiety, it causes cognitive impairment. So Mm -hmm. now I'm like, it's, I'm not even trying to be creative anymore and fix the hotel. I'm like, what can I do to survive to what's what's on this piece of paper? I will just do these things. Yeah. Right. What 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 can I do to to just make it through to, to the, see the light of the next day? Um and then before you know it, it's not authentic anymore. It's just uh yeah. There's no there's no heart, there's no creativity, there's no fixing the hotel. It's just okay, so now I'm just a puppet, uh, essentially with a gun to my head, do this or die essentially. Um, and that's, it was, that was tough. That was tough for me. At that stage, are you thinking, what am I doing here? I did feel that way. I did. Um, and I said, I'm in a city that I'm unfamiliar with. I don't know anybody here. I'm relying on the hotel for housing. Uh, and I have a gun to my head and it's like, what? I have zero leverage in this situation. Zero. Zero. Nothing. Nothing. Um, and I just, the, 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 uh, tension started to build. And then, you know, this guy, he would keep coming back unexpected, literally like leave on a, uh, on a Saturday, come back Sunday night, like boom, boom, like just not telling me anything, showing up, sneaking around, taking pictures of things and just, I started not to be like included in conversations and I'm like, I know that something, this is something's going to happen here. Um, and sure enough, um, 
you know, was, this was a day I was doing payroll actually. And I see this, this is the corporate office was there again, my boss and the corporate director of human resources. And I'm doing payroll and uh, I see this new name in like the pending onboarding section of the, of the, the HR system. Like, hmm, okay, well, I'm really busy and like, so I'm just going to ignore this and I'm going to keep doing it. But since HR is here, maybe she did, uh, uh, maybe she ended up hiring somebody. Maybe we have a new room attendant starting or whatever. Like, this is what I was thinking. I said, I'll look at this later, but I need to submit payroll. Um, sure enough, um, bring me into a room and, uh, a couple hours later and, um, they don't, they don't tell me this, uh, that this name would be the new GM of the hotel, this, this pending onboarding person. Um, but they, they basically went on to, you know, again, kind of reiterate all the things that they weren't happy with. And, um, you know, basically said, you know, we, we were not, they said like, they said, you know what, Kyle, like you're, you're going to be fine. You're not, you're not failing. Uh, you know, you just weren't ready for this. Um, and, and basically kind of like very lightly let me go. Um, and you know, they, they, they gave me the opportunity to, to resign and everything like that. And I was like, just kind of like, what just, I mean, I felt it right. We, we felt all this, but I'm also like, what the heck is this? Um, and they said, why don't you stay until Friday and all this kind of stuff? And I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, I'm good. Turns out that name was the new GM who they had already hired. And, and this was actually a relocation from another state as well for somebody who's going to be living at the hotel, a pre-planned long process of bringing this new GM on board. Um, and I... Um, left on a Wednesday and by Thursday the new GM was moving into the hotel and keep in mind they wanted me to stay till Friday so I guess I would have been expected to uh to uh train the new GM then when 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 she came in so yeah. this was just I mean humbling experience I I don't I, I'm still trying to reflect and learn the best I can from all of this but yeah I just I'm still processing it, man. Yeah, fair. That's, I mean, it's huge. You you did, like you experienced two of the biggest things that can happen in somebody's life, the most traumatic things. And, and that's moving and losing your job. And that happened like within two or three months yeah. of one another. That's huge. Yeah. Um, it Looking back on it, was it your desire to be a hotel general manager or the idea of turning around the hotel and, and being a part of that larger experience that drove you to take that job in the first place? It was the turning around of the hotel for sure. Um, because I thought what a great Again, what I was feeling like that sense of imposter syndrome, like, well, you know, uh, again, I'll use that, like the top 50 hoteliers in the, in, you know, hotel leaders in the country designation. I'm like, so this, I was like, I don't deserve this. I'm like, I'm not even in a hotel. I'm like, I'm not, 
I don't have any huge track record of hotel leadership to show. I mean, I was a department head, you know, I maybe helped people give better service and, um, and I, I spent some time cleaning rooms and inspecting rooms too. I can do some basic hotel stuff, some rooms division stuff. Um, but I'm no top 50 hotel leader in the country. I just talk shit on my podcast. Um, so I wanted to, to earn something. I wanted to have a, I wanted to go on an adventure that I would be coming back out of it better, stronger, more formidable, and actually be able to say, okay, I think I do deserve the, any potential recognition that I might receive. I think I would deserve that because I've shown that I can do this now. Um, and that was why I wanted to do it. Um, but now I've, I'm actually on the opposite end of the spectrum now where I'm like, so now I tried to do this and it didn't work out. And now I even feel more like an imposter, more like a failure, but I'm trying to avoid that. Right. I'm, it's just, I want to say I, I learned so much, which I did. And, uh, you know, this wasn't the right opportunity for me. New doors will open when one door closes, one door opens. It's really easy to, to, to say that and to want to believe that, but it still is a very, for me right now, it's very, very real that I'm like, I just, I feel like a phony. Um, I feel like an imposter. I feel like I wasn't good enough. Um, yeah. That I here it. I am, I can talk all this shit, but then when it comes time to actually doing it, I just can't do it. Um, I think I, I completely understand that. I mean, I think you were the victim of circumstance here, largely, because um, everybody who's a GM has been a GM for the first time. So we've all been through it. I think the, the circumstances that you found yourself in were unique. Probably not super unique, <laughs> like not, not one-off unique, but like definitely a very, very small subset of hotels because every, every hotel and every company is the worst in the company. Like every, every company has that hotel. So like, you know, that exists. Um, but sharing your story. Um, I think is, is very valuable for people. There's, you know, the people that worked at that hotel are experiencing something similar to what you experienced on a different level, but like you're all, you're all in the same boat to a certain extent. I wanted to ask you about whether or not you felt the mind shift from being a department head or a division head, or like, you know, like an executive level in a hotel to being a general manager. But I'm also wondering now, like, were you there long enough to even realize that that was going on? The, okay. Can you elaborate on that question for me? Yeah. I, I want to so, make sure I understand you right. Yeah. You know, every time somebody takes a leap into a position of, of authority, a position of being responsible for larger and larger uh, buckets within, with, within a business, you have to make this shift from, I don't do what I did anymore. I do this new thing now. And this new thing is stretching me in ways that I don't really know where to stretch yet. But I, I do know this. I do know that I can't look at the world the same way that I did yesterday, because today I'm responsible for this much more. 
Um, and so you have to seek out learning and understanding and ask the right questions and ask the wrong question, you know, a few times and find out who is going to be able to help you along the way and who the power players are. And like, there's a, it just really starts to broaden your perspective on, on work and corporate life, but you have to, when I went through that personally, I was fortunate enough to be in very high-performing, stable hotels, stable environments with really great ownership groups and a really great management company. So uh, I was able to have the time to do that. And I think more importantly, whether it was said explicitly or not, an understanding from the people like the the GM and the director of HR and, and that, that, that when you do promote someone into a higher caliber position, it does take them time to get comfortable in it. So you're allowed that runway. Okay. So with that being said, I think I actually, I think I had the mindset shift to the extent that it was possible for me to have the mindset shift prior to and at the beginning of me starting that position. Um, because I had like really just like kind of meditated on it for a long time. And I understood what I was getting myself into to the extent that I could understand without seeing the hotel. But I knew that this was all on me. Um, I knew that I was going to need to, to ask the right questions, have that support, seek knowledge, educate myself, be resourceful. Um, I knew that, like, I, I think like, I, I think I had that. And even at the beginning, I remember, um, when I first started, I was very, I, I, I felt that, you know, I had like that, I guess I go back and say like the creativity to think, okay, what can we do to solve these problems? How can I solve this? as independently as I can. And, and, you know, all this stuff that I, I felt like that mindset had shifted and I knew what I was, what my objective was. Um, but I think the more that the, uh, like it was that the grip from the owners and corporate office tightened, the more I actually felt myself receding. Um, and I think, maybe that's why like if I, I wasn't there long enough to see it all the way through the process because it was there. I felt it. I felt a change in me. I, I, and then it, I went backwards, but then I never went back to that again. Um, yeah. Cause you get into survival mode. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think to answer your question, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, two more questions for you. Uh, would you, go back and work at another hotel? Yes. Yeah, I would. Um, okay. Because I'm not done. I, I haven't finished yet. I, I don't know what I need to know yet. I don't... I just feel like it just seems incomplete. Um, this isn't the end of the story. It feels incomplete to me, uh, to 
for in general, like even let's say I didn't have this experience uh, because I was not working in a hotel for almost a year, you know, after my previous hotel job. And I, again, I told you, I was feeling like this is not authentic. I, I, I'm, I need to, to build a reputation. I need something. Uh, I'm not done yet. And now I find myself feeling that again, where I'm like this really makes me upset, you know, to be honest with you, like I'm upset by the way things worked out, but I still feel like I'm not, I, I just, it just feels incomplete, man. It just doesn't, I don't feel like I'm done quite yet with hotels. I don't feel like I've accomplished what I need to accomplish. I don't feel like I've learned what I needed to learn. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not where like I can really say, okay, I, I've, I don't know, man. Like, uh, and again, I look at, I look at you as, as somebody who like, you've, you've been like, like in very esteemed roles, like very high profile, like we're like probably like top 1% of like global hoteliers would like ever get to like, that's, mm-hmm. and maybe like if I had done what you've done up until this point, I could maybe say I, I did the game. Like I played at the top level. I was successful at it. I, I played the game and there's a sense of resolution to that, that you've had, or maybe you haven't had, but I do kind of feel like if I had done what you've done, I could say this chapter is closed. I don't need to work inside of a hotel as an employee or manager of a hotel anymore. I can, I can do something else. Now I want to continue hospitality MD. I want to keep speaking my voice. I want to still own and operate my own hotel one day. Um, but the, the being inside of a hotel is something that's still very special to me, still very sacred to me. It can't be replicated in any other environment that I've noticed. And I just, I'm not, there's no, I have no closure on my hotel career yet. I can't be done yet. It's too, too early. I like that. Um, It's good to hear, uh, that it didn't kill the fire. No, it didn't. Last question. What questions would you ask next time going into a new job like this? To the owners? Yep. I would have asked with complete clarity what the timeline was in their minds for turnaround. What did that look like? What I I would want the chronology that they would be holding me to and the expectation they would be holding me to basically in writing, like literally like almost like a timeline in advance up front for like a turnaround like this. Um, what is again, specifying the problem, specifying the success and specifying the time that they, and the expectation of, of what that would look like. Um, that would be the biggest thing. Uh, because again, like I kind of had mentioned earlier, if somebody would have told me that in two weeks we'll be showing up at the hotel telling you that it's not going as fast as we need it to go, I would have said, okay, well, good luck finding a GM. It's not going to be me. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the biggest one. Another question that I probably would want to ask before doing this, um, 
I would probably ask to speak to another GM in the company. Ah, good one. I would ask to speak to another GM in the company because this particular company, I witnessed GM turnover while I was there, even in my role, um, multiple times. Hmm. Um, and yeah, there were some hotels that were pretty stable within the company, but you know, that could be a lot of variables for that. But I think I would have said, give me a list of all the GMs. I mean, this company only has nine hotels, 10 hotels. Give me a list of all the GMs and their information and I'll pick which one I want to call or I'll call two or I'll call three. Don't just give me the the one of like the hotel that's performing really well that you don't have to talk to all day and, and give me their information. Let me pick and choose who I want to call. And that's probably one of the things that I would 100% do. I like that. Those are two really good questions to ask. Definitely. I mean, you know, the, the, this is a good lesson, I think, for a lot of people who are going into new jobs. If you don't have a very clear and explicit conversation about what the expectation is for you and your position by or from your boss through the interview process, you have to ask, and they ask you, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> and you say, no, no questions, but you don't really understand what you're going to be graded on. That is a big mistake. You've got to, ask, if you don't have a clear understanding, you have to lead the witness a little bit. You have to ask them questions and not vague questions. Not like, how will I be graded in this role? Like that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't answer your question. You need to know like, what are the deliverables? What are your expectations on these? How quick do you want them done? Who's, who will I be working with? You know, what is their responsibility in making sure that these things get done? You have to really go through a detailed interview of them. So that you know, like, first of all, whether you can do the job or you want to do the job, it'll give you some insight into the corporate culture in the organization. And if that person that you're talking to doesn't know the answers to your questions, that's also a red flag, mind you. Uh, but it it will it will illuminate a lot about the position. Um, and I think that you know that, and then talking to other people or two or three other GMs, awesome, love it. Yeah, I, I don't. I I wouldn't do it any other way moving forward. No, Kyle, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story. I think this is a um, uh, you know opening yourself up, being vulnerable, sharing your experience, what you learned. Um, there's a lot of people going through very similar experiences right now, even though sometimes these things feel very singular to yourself. Um, so I know this is going to help listeners. There's no doubt. Well, it's helped me already, uh, very therapeutic. And, um, you know, I hope again, like Adam said, I hope that for everybody listening, that it helps you navigate, um, whatever you're going through in your hospitality career or otherwise, um, at hospitality MD, I don't know by the time this gets released, what the status will be on this, but we will be doing a, uh, I was at this hotel for nine weeks. So the series will be titled What I Learned in Nine Weeks as the GM of the Worst Hotel in the Brand. It'll be a nine episode podcast series presented by Hospitality MD where I'll be uh, bringing up a story, something that happened at the hotel, and then dissecting it and extracting the lessons from that story. Um, and there'll be a new story, new topic every week. Um, and that'll just be even more therapy for me and more learning for 
for all of you out there. Um, yeah, no, perfect. I think that's going to be uh, really interesting to hear. Uh, more of a deep dive. Uh, for sure, it is. It'll, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna go into just sp- really just nitty gritty specific stuff. Analyze the whole everything, everything I learned. If anybody wants to get a hold of you or learn more about what you're up to, where should they go? Uh, you should go to www.hospitality-md.com. You should go to my LinkedIn page. Um, you should go to. Actually, here's here's what you can do. I want to make it very easy. One link with all the links within it. It's uh, www.solo, S-O-L-O dot T-O forward slash hospitality M-D. Um, you can find my personal LinkedIn page in there, all of hospitality M-D, social networks, podcast links, everything uh, at that one singular link. Sounds good. Perfect. Hey, Kyle, thanks again. This was great. Adam, thank you. This was my episode with Kyle Allison. You can learn more about him in Hospitality MD at solo.to slash hospitalitymd. I'll link to it in the show notes. You can see the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast. And if you want to learn more about the show, just head over to our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help with a project or just someone to talk to about a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to The Proven Principles Podcast.